0: Rick Moon Fiction Presents Myron by Kevin R. O'Hara Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Myron, I heard my voice ominously whisper as I woke in the cold, dark bedroom. Who the hell was Myron? Wasn't that the name of Jeffrey's cat from before I met him? Or was that Meowser? Why was it so cold in the room in the middle of July? And why was I covered in sweat if I felt so darn cold in the middle of July? Oftentimes I'll wake up and the world won't make sense. Such is the nature of the waking fog, as I call it. It's that short period of time where you don't recognize all that is familiar as the remnants of the sleeping world slowly float out into the ether. One time I woke from a dream of a former job and got all the way through showering, putting on makeup, getting dressed, and into a half a cup of coffee before I realized I hadn't worked there for years. But in that case, once my brain was awake, everything immediately became clear, and I felt like an idiot for mentally preparing for a meeting that occurred three years prior. But this time was different. Midway through the day, I still couldn't shake that there was something desperately important about the name Myron. No, not the name, but the word itself, written in an elegant script. Something in my dream focused so intently on the letters of the word that it kept circulating through my head whenever I had a quiet moment. That and Jeffrey, of course. The profound difference was the name. I mean, word, Myron, confused and confounded me. It irritated me like a sliver in your hand that you forget about until you try to pick up something mundane like a pencil. It stung, but you couldn't find where it was to just dig it out. Jeffrey, on the other hand, just left me sullen and exposed. It was an open wound where a spear had been. I suppose it would be a long time before that feeling went away. Certainly one month was not long enough to move significantly through the grieving process. Damn it, Jeffrey, why did you have to go? I remember the day we first met. How could I forget, given the amount of times it would play in a loop in my mind? He had approached me in that patchouli-scented coffee shop and said, Stay still. In such an unnervingly calm voice the kind that sets off every alarm up the length of your spine. It is so odd that my first experience with this man was one of fear. He reached at me, and the absurdity of it kept me from flinching or telling him to back the fuck off. Believe me, I don't have a problem with telling men who invade my bubble to back the fuck off. He just put his hand to my shoulder and in the gentlest of motions brushed a large black spider away and then the jerk smiled with that stupid smile that I would forever love and hate. Behind his thick-rimmed glasses, there was softness to his eyes, and beneath his wavy beard his subtle smile disarmed me. I was in love with that stupid man from that moment forward, and then he goes and dies less than half a year later. Jackass. Jill sat across from me at the cafeteria with her sorrowfully empathetic eyes. She wouldn't ever pry with words, but her eyes could open me up with the ease of a magazine at a hair salon. She knew I couldn't hide my depths from her, and I hated, or loved, her for it. Stop it, I said. Oh, honey, she said without cracking a smile, I haven't even started yet, and if I don't feel like talking? You take your time, dear. This time she did smile, but only slightly. Perhaps she didn't want to seem too glib to give her usual broad-lipped grin. Jill could come across as a very old 28-year-old librarian, especially with that red sweater with the pearl-shaped buttons and her horn-rimmed glasses, but with a sly word could instantly turn to a bad girl that probably drove most of the men in IT absolutely nuts. Why do I bother to have lunch with you? This time I betrayed a thin grin in spite of my mood. Jeffrey? she asked or perhaps said, Myron, I countered and threw her for a bit of a loop. Really? Her eyebrows arched. I'm surprised. I mean, glad. This is the first time you've mentioned another, that you mentioned a man in quite some time. Myron's not a man. She squinted at me, not sure where to take the conversation. She finally settled on not saying anything knowing that even in my darkest moods I never win silence chicken. I don't know who Myron is. I had a dream last night, I think. I don't remember it. None of it. Only the word Myron. It means something, or at least my brain thinks it does. There's a Myron in accounting, she mused. Marty. You're thinking of Marty, not Myron. She thought for a second, and her mouth made an O shape as a way of acknowledging her mistake without admitting to it. It has something to do with Jeffrey, I said without thinking, and then thought about it. I don't understand, Stacy. Neither do I. And that was that conversation. It was 3 a.m. when I woke this time, and damn, it was cold again. The nights were warm, and I had my windows wide open, but for some reason it was freezing in our room. In my room. Myron. Yep, that was my voice saying it again, but I don't know why. A small amount of moonlight permeated the room along with some fog. No, wait, there couldn't be fog. There wasn't. It must have been my eyesight adjusting from sleep. I blinked several times and looked around the room. Everything was as I left it the night before, except Jeffrey's laptop was open on the desk. I don't think I had opened it the night before. I had my own computer and hadn't touched his since... I pulled the heavy blanket up around me and slid out of bed. Slowly I walked to the desk and touched the laptop. It was cold and obviously hadn't been used in a long time. I put my finger on the keyboard and it whirled to life. The screen blinked, and then the login appeared. In the name field was Jeffster69. The password was blank. Jeffrey and I had dated for five months before we moved in together. Initially, neither one of us wanted to advance our relationship so quickly, but when a friend had vacancy at this place, we couldn't pass up the opportunity, the location, the low rent. For the most part, we were open to each other, but I'm certain each of us had our own private things that it was too soon to disclose. I know I had my share of stories to save for a later time, if ever. We respected each other's privacy and passwords, and it frankly would never have occurred to me to snoop on his computer anyway. He was dead now. Was his secrets still his to keep? I felt wrong, but I typed the word Myron into the password field anyway. It was probably a good minute before I tapped the enter key and immediately felt guilty. The computer responded that the password was incorrect. I wasn't filled with relief or further guilt as I just stared at the screen in silence. I willed myself not to start guessing other passwords, but the longer I look at the screen and the lone username Jeffster69, the harder it was. Then I suddenly recalled how predictable poor Jeffrey was, and my fingers touched the keyboard again. I typed Myron69. The computer home screen appeared, and I almost lost it when I looked face to face with my own visage. His background screen was one of the few pretty pictures of me from our third date at the State Fair. Cotton candy was stuck in my messy shoulder-length blonde hair. But besides that, I was pretty and happy. That feels like years ago now. That was enough for me. I closed the laptop and slunk back to bed. I may have sobbed for a bit, or I may have just lay there flat like a corpse, both physically and mentally. Sleep came quickly. It also left quickly as I woke minutes or hours later to a loud crash. It was still dark, but I could quickly make out that the desk chair had been knocked over. No, it wasn't just lying on its side. It lay broken into several splintery pieces on the floor. It hadn't been thrown, more like smashed by a sledgehammer. On the desk, the laptop was open and on. That was the sole source of illumination in the room. I jumped out of bed and back against the wall, scanning the room for an intruder. Our apartment was on the fourth floor, so it was unlikely that someone got in through the open window, but my bedroom door remained closed. I grabbed for a weapon on my nightstand and instantly felt like a fool menacingly holding my vibrator. At least I was finally using it again, I suppose. After a few moments... I started to explore the room, waving the curved silver device like a sword before me. There was no one here. It was deadly quiet, except for the rhythmic hum of the thing in my hand that I must have accidentally twisted on when I grabbed it. Oh, come on. I switched it off, making a note to omit this detail when I talked to Jill next. I turned on the room light and the bulb instantly blew, scaring the wits out of me. I put my ill-conceived weapon down and grabbed hold of my phone, contemplating calling the police. I turned the camera light on and looked around the room again and then around the whole apartment until I was satisfied that I was alone and that there was no other evidence that anyone else had even been here. Could I have destroyed the chair in my sleep? My emotions have been all over the place this last month, but I don't think that level of violent outbreak was within me. I should have called someone. I should have left. Hell, I should have gone back to sleep and dealt with making sense of it in the morning. Instead, I sat down on the blanket trunk and looked at Jeffrey's computer. Slowly, I typed in Myron69, and the home screen appeared again. I think I screamed when, instead of seeing my cotton-candied face and happy brown eyes on the home screen, there was a different background picture. It was Jeffrey's face, but no picture that I had ever seen of him before. His skin was pale, his mouth was open and to one side, and his eyes clearly betrayed pain. It was unnatural. Why would he have had this picture taken, let alone saved it? I shut the laptop closed. After catching my breath, I slowly lifted the screen back up and once again saw my smiling face in the background. This is messed up, Stacy, I told myself. I nearly lost it as I noticed my breath came out as a cloud when I spoke. Just how damn cold was it in here? That's it. I'm out of here. I threw on my jeans and collared sweatshirt, slipped on my boots, grabbed my keys, and headed to the door. I nearly dislocated my shoulder as I tried to barrel my way through the door, as it didn't budge. I checked the lock, and that was not the problem. The door was stuck. The temperature must have expanded it so it was jammed in the frame. No, wait, that doesn't make sense. I took two semesters of physics, for God's sake. It doesn't work like that. I put my weight against the door a couple of times and then tried kicking it. It was like stone. I tried pounding on it and shouting. Nothing. Help! I yelled, hoping the neighbor across the hall would hear. After several minutes of that, I figured the guy must have been sound asleep or away for the night. I'm a smart girl. I did try my phone, it was dead. I was just using it as a flashlight, and now it was dead. What the hell? The computer was on. I could use that to send out a message. I sat back down in front of it and was relieved to see my face still on the screen staring back at me. I opened up the mail program out of habit before realizing that it was not mine. It asked for a password for jeffster69 at wamail.com. I was about to close it so I could go to my own mail on the browser but then my fingers typed Myron69 and his inbox appeared. The same password? Really, Jeffrey? He had hundreds of unread messages, which actually didn't seem odd considering how automated the world was. I'm certain no one mentioned his death to Nigerian bankers or Viagra salesmen. I couldn't help myself but to scan through them. Nothing jumped out at me. Strangely, I think due to the fear still flowing through my veins, I didn't have an emotional reaction to any of the messages, which I'm certain I would have, even at the most mundane ones, in any other situation. I noticed that there were two messages in his drafts folder. This did affect me. These were messages that he was midway through writing before his passing. Before his damn aneurysm. Was one of these the last thing he was thinking about before his sudden departure? I felt very cold. Not temperature-wise, I was already chilled in that way. I mean cold, in my spine and chest. I opened the first one, and it was addressed to Lacey, his ex-girlfriend, before me. Okay, I need a new definition for feeling cold in my soul at this point. It read, L, thanks for coffee the other night. It was nice seeing you again, too. You can still make me laugh, and yes, I'd be lying if I didn't say I missed your rack.' I'm glad Steve is speaking to you again. I'm sure he'll come around. I hope it works out for you. I'm sorry to say it's for selfish reasons. I have missed you, but I need you to stop reaching out to me whenever things are going wrong in your relationships. I'm with Stacy now. I'm really happy with her and I don't think it's kind to her to still be your confidant. I know, as you said, nothing is happening between us, but it ain't all about sex. It's just not right for us to be sharing so much. You can't help but be flirty, and I'm not comfortable with... That's where it left off. I took it all in. My world had flipped over and then flipped back. Jeffrey was trying to get distance from Lacey on my account. Good, I think. A terrible realization came over me, one that made so much sense but could not in any way be true. Was Jeffrey trying to get closure on his past relationship? I mean, in death, right now, was Geoffrey trying to get closure? I can't believe I'm asking. Is Geoffrey a ghost? No, this was absurd. I rubbed my head and eyes and looked up from the screen, and standing there behind the computer was Geoffrey. He was naked and thin and grey, with an open mouth and what seemed like black saucer eyes. Without moving his lips, he croaked, Myron... Needless to say, I screamed my fucking head off and fell off of the trunk. I scrambled back up and saw... Nothing. There was no one there. I must have imagined it. No, I didn't imagine it. Jeffrey was haunting me. Jesus! Okay, okay, I needed to do the cliché. Maybe this was just a nightmare. Maybe I would wake up and everything would be normal. Well, until that happens... I'm just going to believe that Jeffrey has unfinished business on this world, and I need to put him to rest. I typed in the email message after I'm not comfortable with... You. It is over, Lacey. Accept it and move on. I have... Jeffrey. I hit send. Was that it? Was it over now? Wait, was I just the biggest bitch in the world by sending a nasty email from a dead man to Lacey? I didn't care for her, but she certainly didn't deserve this sort of mindfuck. Well, it was too late. It's over, Jeffrey. I've sent the email. You can go to the other side or whatever now. It was still bone-chillingly cold. I miss you, jackass, I added, realizing that if I was indeed with his spirit, I needed to take the opportunity to actually say goodbye. I waited. Nothing happened nothing felt different. I got up and walked to the door. I put my hand on the knob, took a breath, and turned the knob. The door opened as I pushed on it. I let out my breath and could feel a tear in my eye as I headed out. Just then the door slammed shut into me, throwing me across the main room and into the bookcase. Pain and then more as large books toppled down upon me. Seven Harry Potter books a couple role-playing game books, and then War and Peace. Why the hell did we even have War and Peace? It wasn't like either of us were ever going to read it. Clearly, Jeffrey had not gone to the other side. I picked myself up and went back to the computer. I opened the other email message draft. This one was addressed to his gym. It was a letter asking them to discontinue his membership. He complained to them about the steps he had already taken on the phone and in person to close his account and was now taking the matter up with the corporate office. I could tell that he hadn't sent this because it was full of curse words and he was the type to edit his first drafts to be more polite before sending. No way. Was this really it? He couldn't fully shuffle on from his mortal coil because of an ongoing gym membership? I know those bastards can get their hooks into you, but this was beyond ridiculous. I hit send, not bothering to change any of his wording, and then waited. Again, nothing felt different. I wasn't going to try the door again. Instead, I just waited for some sort of sign. Jeffrey? Was that it? It's cancelled, baby. I stood up, or I should say I tried to stand up, but I couldn't. It felt like icy fingers were holding my shoulders down, and I freaked out again. With effort, I broke free of the unseen grip. "'Stop it! Just stop it! What do you want? I'm trying to help you!' I screeched. When there was no reply after a few moments, I sat myself back down and muttered, "'Fine!' I started looking through his computer. His browser was set to Facebook, but it needed a password to open.' Myron 69 did it, jackass. I typed in the status window. I am dead and haunting my girlfriend. I apologize to anyone I might have wronged. I love all of you who I loved, and I hate all of you who deserve my hate and who I haven't told. I didn't hit return this time. Nancy, his mother, would read this. I couldn't do that to her. I erased it and instead posted, This is Stacy... Forgive me for posting, but I needed closure. I know Jeffrey would want you all to know how much he feels for you, his love, his apologies, and the rest. Rest in peace, Jeffrey. Well? I asked. Nothing. That didn't do it. I know it. Over the next hour or two, I went through his entire computer and every app that used Myron69 as his password. I posted a final picture of us on his photo site, which had mainly been filled up with images of his car, his old cat, and his favorite meals out. Still cold. I paid all of his online bills. Nothing. I listened to his unlistened-to podcasts. Some loud displeased thumps. I found his online dating profile from before we met. Thankfully, it was clear he hadn't used it since we started dating, but there were several unfinished correspondences with random women, I politely answered them all with an obvious final response and closed down his account. Still damn cold. I found his porn stash and deleted it all and his browser history in case he was worried that someone like his mother would find it after his death. There were some naked pictures of me that I never liked. I deleted those, too. I felt a little better, but I could also feel a weight in the air. It was like it was slowly starting to suffocate me. I fear that I was running out of time. Why is it that we have so many different types of sites that need passwords? How had we as a species gotten to a point where so much of our life was lived online? That gave me an idea. Jeffrey has been obsessed with a fantasy online game where you played wizards and knights with hundreds of other people. He even made me play it with him for a couple of weeks. I remember having some fun once I figured it out, but it wasn't worth the time investment to me, so I quit and let him play with his buddies. I logged onto it and looked at the character selection screen. He had about eight different characters, ranging from hideous troll warriors to petite fairy thieves. His highest level character was a tall, majestic sorcerer named Myron. Son of a bitch. I hit play and found the character to be at the entrance of an evil-looking temple in the jungle. He had three major quests that were in progress and was nearly at the maximum level for the game. He was part of a large guild of players, some of which were currently playing online. I typed messages to them explaining who I was, what had happened to Jeffrey, and that I wanted their help to finish those quests to help cope with my loss. I left out the bit about being slowly smothered by a poltergeist, they send messages of condolence and rush to my in game location. There were barbarians and healers and swordsmen and all manner of other geeky archetypes. I think a couple of them phoned other guildmates to get online and help out, too. For the next couple of hours, we fought hundreds of evil monsters, including a giant dragon, which proved to be extremely difficult. I brought the brilliant arcane diamond to the king's advisor, I collected two hundred blood goblin tusks for the captain of the guards, I retrieved the searing staff of seven sections from the lost cave in the sunken swamps, and I finished all of the other side quests. By the end of it, Myron became a master sorcerer of the highest level. It had actually been fun, and at the very end, I could almost see how incomplete one might feel had they left the characters so close to finishing this achievement. And then I was pissed for the same reason I was a month ago. This online life with its manufactured accomplishments shouldn't have such a hold over our real lives. I thanked all of the other players and logged off. Light was coming in through the window, and with it, the warm morning air. Had I done it? I hope so though I was certain there could have been much more unfinished business hidden behind that infernal password. I wasn't going to wait until the next night to find out. I turned off the laptop and cleaned myself up. I hope you have found peace, Jeffrey. I love you, but we only knew each other for five months. I'm giving this laptop to your mother and she can figure it out if there's anything more. I have to move on. Rest well, Jeffrey." I almost said jackass, as that was more of a nickname than an insult for us, but it just didn't feel right, as I was certain this was my final speech to him. I picked up the laptop and headed out the door without further incident. I placed the laptop on the coffee table and stared up at the picture of Jeffrey next to his urn on the mantel over the fireplace. You could keep it if you want, Stacy, his mother said sweetly as she put her hand on my shoulder. "'Thank you, Nancy, but I don't feel comfortable with it. "'Plus, I think you need it to find, you know, closure.' "'She looked at me a little strangely, but still kept her comforting smile, "'then said, "'If it will make you feel better, thank you.' "'I nodded. "'I suppose I could give it to his younger brother,' she said. "'Um, maybe you should go through it first. "'You know, make sure there isn't anything that would upset Ian.' Make sure there isn't any, you know, unfinished business. I'm not sure what my face looked like, but I have a feeling it probably looked like I was swallowing bitter medicine and trying to smile at the same time. You're probably right, but I wouldn't know how to get in. Oh, his password is Myron69. Oh, like his old cat's name. He used to love that cat, she reminisced. Yeah, he mentioned him to me once or twice, I said. I remember he was so sad when Myron died, she continued. He said he wished he could always be with him, cried for weeks. Even after all this time, we still keep Myron's ashes on the bookcase over there. I snapped my head over to the bookcase and saw the little box with cat paws and the familiar word Myron on it in calligraphy. That is exactly how the word looked in my dream from two nights ago. No shit, I said as I got up. Without looking at Nancy, I walked directly to it, picked it up, brought it to the mantel, and dumped the contents into Jeffrey's urn. I can't imagine what his mom must now think of me. But the one thing I do know with absolute certainty, Jeffrey was now finally at rest. Jackass! Kevin R. O'Hara enjoys employment as a creative director in the video game industry. He originally hails from Spencerport, New York, but promptly moved to the West Coast after graduating from Ithaca College's film school. He has worked various roles in the film and video game industry over the years, most of which involved creative writing and game design. He currently resides near Seattle, Washington, with his lovely wife, awe-inspiring daughter, and energetic Hund. Find him on Twitter at Jolted Kev. Myron by Kevin R. O'Hara is a previously unreleased piece commissioned by Brick Moon Fiction. It was not released because, like our earlier podcast Moments with the Dead, it was too fucking scary, but also because the story contained a cat and we at Brick Moon Fiction have a lot of contempt for cats. We realize this probably says more about us and our insecurity, but what's with cats thinking they're better than us? What's with that? If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction Newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.